Hello and welcome to Five Alive. It's wonderful to have you joining us today on this beautiful, beautiful fall day. Today we are going to continue in our Growth as Christians series and we're going to talk about a difficult characteristic which then translates into talking about money. Difficult characteristic that I'm going to mention today is one that is almost absolutely as difficult as self-control, which we talked about earlier. Um, but this one is a little bit different. It's one that separates us totally from every other species on this earth. And no, it's not love. It is unselfishness. Unselfishness is a characteristic that sets us apart from animals and our animal instincts. It is a choice that you and I have and the ability to enact in our lives. When someone wrongs us, we can react animalistically, which would be to what? If somebody punches you in the face, what would you do in return if you were an animal? Attack. Attack. But we have the ability to follow the words of Christ, which would be to do what? Love. Turn the other cheek. Yeah, both of those things. To turn the other cheek, to love, to act unselfishly. When you see someone in need, you can also be compassionate, or you can make fun of them, or we've seen throughout the years times where people, when they see somebody down in their luck or down on their life, that they come along and they try and destroy them even further, making their life even more miserable, which is what an animal would do. Because what did Charles Darwin teach us that is a proof of evolution? Survival of the fittest? Yes, survival of the fittest. However, as human beings, we don't always choose the survival of the fittest in order to enact in our lives. And there was an incredible book that was written just after the uh, Nazi imprisonment camp concentration camps by a man who was actually in the concentration camps. It was written by a man who was a psychologist. His name is Viktor Frankl, and he wrote Man's Search for Meaning. And in that book, he talked about how people didn't always just choose survival of the fittest, but how they liked to come together and work together in order to make sure that each other would come through the scenario. And then he talks about a lot of different things of how unselfishly we really do act when we are really down on our luck and uh, down in our lives. So unselfishness is exhibited through every decision that Christ made and that is our example of how we are to live unselfishly is Jesus himself. Jesus healed people even though he didn't have to. Jesus gave of his time to people that most of us would walk on by even if they tried to take up our time. We would say, I don't have time for you. Jesus gave time to those people. Jesus gave money to the poor. Jesus created food for those who were hungry. Jesus raised people from the dead, even though it didn't really benefit him anything, especially considering we live over 2,000 years later here in the 21st century, where people deny that Jesus even did any of these miracles. So obviously he didn't raise people from the dead so that that way people 2,000 years later could criticize him. And then Jesus died on the cross, not for his will to be done, but for our Heavenly Father's will to be done. 
Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And so with these characteristics of unselfishness in mind, I want to continue on in our discussion of Christian character in the world of tithing. Tithing is a principle as old as our father Abraham. So within Jewish uh, tradition, within Islamic tradition, and within Christian tradition, because all of us are Abrahamic descendants, we see Father Abraham in Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 through 20, showing us that it is important to tithe. And it says here in Genesis 14, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was the priest of God Most High. And he, was, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all or of everything. So that's what Abraham did was he gave a tithe to Melchizedek, the priest of God most high. And tithing is also practiced in the New Testament. A Pharisee in a parable states in Luke chapter 18, verse 12, that I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I possess. And in another portion of scripture, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. That's found in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. What Jesus is saying is that it's important for us to tithe. It's important for us to judge with mercy and justice and faith in this passage of scripture. Again, he speaks in Matthew chapter five, verse 21 through 22. You have heard that it was said that those of old you shall not murder and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says his, to his brother Raka shall be in danger of counsel. But what Whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, just before that passage of scripture, he says, Do not think that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill them. What Jesus is telling us in this passage of scripture holds true to tithing, as well as to our anger, as well as to our self-control or self-discipline. And it is that if these things were important in the Old Testament, in the Abrahamic law days, those first 39 books that we find in the Bible, then they are equally, if not more important in the New Testament, the world that we live in today, even. If the law requires us to tithe, then how much more important is it for us to tithe now? The bar was raised by Christ, not lowered. He did not look at humanity and say, oh man, mankind is not just measuring up to what I wanted out of him. So I'm going to lower the bar a little bit for him. No, instead, Jesus came along and actually said, here's the bar and I'm going to make it even higher. The beauty of having Christ in your life is that with the bar being raised, we have an advocate, a helper who assists us in accomplishing the fulfillment of the law. 
we cannot forget how much involved Jesus is in the life of the Christian. And this occurs when it comes to our jobs and our finances, specifically our monies that we earn or what we earn off of. So if you're a farmer and you earn not just money, but you also earn produce or meat or any of those things, it is by God's grace and mercy that we are able to have a good crop and that we are also able to have good jobs in order to gain the riches that the world has to offer. However, we must be obedient. We are still given a choice to follow Christ or not. Tithing is an unselfish act which empowers the kingdom of Christ to accomplish the tasks of locating and discipling new followers. So, what is a tithe? 10% of everything you make. Definitely. It's the first fruits. And upon receiving the income, the first thing that we are to do as Christians is to set aside 10% of our earnings and give it to God. That means that we live off of how much? 90%. 90%. 90%. So if we can live off of 90% of our income, that's pretty good. Yeah. There's some people that are trying to live off of 110 or 120% of their income. That is not very good. That is actually not living within your means. We're talking about living within your means and even diminishing those down to just living off of 90%. So that we can pay our mortgage or our rent, our utility bills, our medical bills, any other debts we may have. We can buy food and put it on the table. We can buy presents for others whenever we have weddings coming up that we're able to gift. When we have friends who have babies, we're able to gift them. So that that way we can bless others. That leaves us 90% of our income in order to do that. Is that pretty feasible? Yeah. It is. Yeah. When, you, when you put it into practice, at first it seems kind of overwhelming of, oh man, I don't think I could do this because um, maybe you have a projection, maybe there's a destination that you've always wanted to travel to. And so when you're working, you're putting money towards that destination that you've dreamed and longed for. And maybe there's just circumstances of life that just come in the way and it's like, there's no way that if I tithe that I'm going to have enough money in order to do X, Y, and Z, so mm. to say. Yeah, it is, a, it is a difficult thing when you're first stepping into it. I believe with all my heart that we can do it, and God gives us an advocate and the Holy Spirit to come along with us and help us. And as we discipline ourselves, we see great rewards through our tithing. Now, I'm going to take it even a step further, because we're talking not just about tithes, but we're also talking about money. Is it possible that we could live off of, say, 80% of what we earn? Yes. Yes, it is possible. If you live within your means, yeah. just knowing what the... Um, Budget is? Well, yeah, you shelter over your head, mm -hmm. food, and you know, providing for your family. Yeah. Those were the three, three basic things. Yeah, shelter, food, clothes. Absolutely. It, it, it's important, but I, I want to challenge us to live off of let's say 80%, not saying that we give 20% then to the church, but saying that we give our tithe to the church and we give 10% into a savings account or into some kind of investment or mutual fund scenario so that that way we can provide for the future or even, let's say, an emergency. 
An emergency fund is a very important thing for us to have, and it's a very important thing for us to put money aside for so that that way we're not putting things on credit when those emergencies come along. Have you ever had an emergency come along inside of our family? Absolutely. Medical? Sure, yeah. Medical, uh, needed curtains for privacy. Yeah. Clothes for children that just kept growing and growing and growing exactly. each month. Yep. And new shoes because uh, of growing feet and or tripping and falling and busting my own shoes open. Sure. But yeah, of course there's always those uh, little types of emergencies. Uh, say a, a tire um, has become flattened. Exactly. And so just money to, in order to get new wheels for your car vehicle. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I want to encourage us to put 10% aside so until we have about 60,000 rupees in a bank account as an emergency fund. And that doesn't mean that once we have 60,000 rupees in there that we just cut it off and we say, okay, I've done it. No, then we continue to set aside 10% of our savings. And that 60,000 rupees is our emergency fund so that that way we can always... As Blair said, say we have a tire that gets uh, completely punctured to the point where we have to go get a new set of tires. We're able to go put cash down on those tires and not put it on EMI or on some kind of a credit card model so that that way we don't all of a sudden we're like, oh man, I'm barely making it. I wonder if God will forgive me if I don't take out my tithe this month so that that way I can pay off the money for these tires so that that way I can still go to work and do all the things that I normally do. Because that is the way that we often look at it. If we don't live within a budget and within our means of let's say 80%. Now I want to challenge you. Is it possible to live off of 75% of yes. what we earn? The reason I put another 5% in there is because that's the part where we have as offerings or giving above a tithe is approximately five, maybe even another 10%. Maybe you can live off of 70% of your earnings every single month. That's fantastic. But you're going to have those moments when all of a sudden you're going to have a friend who comes along and says, guess what? I'm getting married. And then you're going to want to be able to gift them. And you didn't know that they were getting married because... You were just sitting in Starbucks, let's say, and you got the phone call that says, hey, we're getting married tomorrow. And you're like, oh, oh, okay, congratulations. I'm so excited for you. If you have that extra 5 to 10% as an uh, extra offering or extra giving portion of your life, then you are able to do more for those that are around you. And that is an important part of every one of our lives as Christians. Now, Xavier has taken a class on financial management for his final 12th grade year. Yes. And when it comes to tithes, when it comes to emergency fund, when it comes to savings, what is the greatest lesson that you can recall learning while you were taking that course? The thing I learned most from it is in giving is do your research on who you're giving to and do like whether or not the charity is legit, whether or not this person is actually scamming you. Say someone says, oh, give me this money and I'm going to give it overseas to this missionary or I'm going to give it to this uh, orphanage or this nonprofit organization that's helping people clean trash or 
build wells in Africa. And they're not actually doing that. Instead, they're pocketing most of it and giving what, like 2% to the actual company or charity or whatever they're giving to. And so always make sure you're giving to uh, people who are trustworthy and people who are doing what they're saying they're going to do with your money. Because it is a gift from God and it is your money that you're giving to help provide. And if they're not using it properly, then it's their fault. But at the same time, it doesn't feel very good when you find that out either. That's very true. <clears throat> one, of the, one of the things that I've tried to do and uh, is a difficult thing to do on occasion is we have so many people that are always asking for money. I mean, even last night we were approached by multiple people. We were out with some friends and we were approached by multiple people. Please, I want a burger is what one person even said. Please give me a burger. And others are, please give me some money. Oh, I'm so hungry. Uh, I don't have a mom and dad. Will you help me? And there's a lot of times that that is truthful. I think I think I need money for a school textbook, maybe. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah. I, but I think it's for school because I have a backpack on. You see my backpack? <laughs> I need a book for school. Yeah. I think, maybe. Yeah, exactly. So we have these we have these moments where we are approached by people who are asking, and we're like, okay. So in line with what Xavier was saying is, I'm in the moment where I can give to this person, and we have those moments where we need to be reliant on the Holy, the Spirit. Holy Spirit to. Give us the discernment of, is this the person that I need to give some money to? Or is this just, is this person scamming for somebody else, mm -hmm. you know, because they've captured them and they've taken them kind of almost prisoner to the point where they're out on the streets begging for them to earn them money. Is this a person who's earning great, vast amounts of wealth just by standing out on the street and begging, but yet they really have a house in Dubai and a house in Oman, and they really have a house in Turkey, and they have a house in multiple places here in India, or is this a legit down-on-their-life kind of a person that is just in need of somebody to help them out? Now, I can remember once I was in America a couple of years ago, and I was driving, and there was a guy who legitimately, I just, I knew from the Holy Spirit that I needed to help this guy out. He had come up to me, and he was very sheepish. He was ashamed to even ask. But he said, I, I haven't had anything to eat for a couple of days. I'm really hungry. Um, could you help me? And I was like, in that moment, I was like, I knew I could help this person. Because again, the Holy Spirit was kind of speaking to me in this way of, this is a person that you can help. So I said, hey, jump in my car and I'm going to go get you something to eat. So the person got in my car. And he turned around and I had been uh, traveling quite a bit up until that point. And even the family had been traveling with me. So their blankets and pillows were all in the back. And the guy just automatically looked at me and he looked in the back of the car and he saw all these pillows and blankets. And he thought that I was living in my car. I didn't tell him any differently, but we went through a drive-thru. I gave him his burger. I dropped him off at where he needed to be taken to because he wanted to go to a place for a job interview. And, uh, and as I dropped him off, he was like, man, if only more people that actually weren't living in their cars or living on the streets would give to people like us. Like he automatically grouped me in with who he was living on the streets, thinking that I was somebody that was living in my car, even though it was just kind of like I hadn't cleaned up uh, the car after a road trip kind of a thing. 
But yet at the same time, I, I just know that that is very true of society is it's, it's the people who are hurting help other people who are hurting more than the people that have a vast amount of wealth are willing to give to those who are in need. And that's what Christ came to the world to break that bond of selfishness. The more money I earn gives me more responsibility to bless my brother, my sister, and my neighbor. It doesn't give me the right to go buy a fancier car, a larger house, more expensive clothes, more jewelry than I can ever wear. That's not the purpose of riches. The purpose of riches is to bless those that are around us, that are hurting and that are in need in the moments of their, mo of their life being turned upside down in a bad way so that that way somebody can come along and help them out. What do you guys think of people who are down on their life and needing the assistance? Like we kind of live within our means in a way that we can then bless other people. And so what kind of effect has that had on you guys as our children? Like, what do you think? What do you think of when you see people that are unfortunate and actually really legitimately need help? For the people that actually do need help, I, we, I have compassion on them and want to help in any way possible and helping others and giving offering isn't always our five to 10% of our money or even more money than that is sometimes we don't have the ability to give that money or the person doesn't really need money is what they need is someone to help them out in uh, working or helping find them a job or something like that. And that takes time, not money, but still it's just as important. And so that's what I've learned through uh, our lives of giving and helping everybody out that who needs it. Like Xavier said, it doesn't always mean money, but sometimes it means all of these other ways that we're able to invest in people's lives. But these are still moments of investment in lives that we give unselfishly of ourselves. And that is absolutely vitally important for us to live a lifestyle that is motivated by Christ to live unselfishly and to provide for those who are in need. So when it comes to our finances and when it comes to living within a budget, if I am now tithing 10%, I am saving 10% and I have that emergency fund and then I take another additional five to maybe even another 10% and I am living off of 70% of what I earn, what I need to make sure I'm doing is I need to make sure that the things that fit into that 70% category are things like housing. That can't be the full 70% because then I'm not able to provide food and clothing and I'm not able to do anything extra. So what I need to make sure is I need to make sure that my housing covers about how much percent? 40%. So our housing is about 40% of what we earn. We have food. We make sure we stick within a food budget, which means maybe I don't eat out so much which means maybe I don't always eat every one of my meals outside because it's more expensive to go to a restaurant, it's more expensive to go to a dubba than it is to eat at home. Preparing food for myself 
is a way that I can save money. In my clothing realm, I don't have to have the top of the line, most expensive brand new clothes. I'm not saying that I need to go and shop always at a um, Goodwill or a market type of a venue. Sometimes I can get nicer things. And in fact, as Blair and I have discussed multiple times, the market can be just as expensive as going to the mall to VR Punjab or going to Alante. I can find just as expensive stuff in the market. And sometimes I can find cheaper things even at VR Punjab or at Alante if I shop the sales or if I get in on some of the deals that they have. So these are some of the ways that we can make sure that we're providing in our clothes. Nowadays, we all have smartphones. We all have apps that we get on our smartphones. Maybe you are overextending yourself on entertainment within the apps area, or maybe there's a monthly fee that comes along with the apps. Maybe there's a cable bill or a satellite bill, or maybe you get magazines or the newspaper, or maybe you haven't gone to the gym this whole year, but yet you're paying to go to the gym a whole year and you haven't used that uh, membership, or maybe there's other memberships out there that you've become part of some kind of a uh, credit card club. These are sometimes unnecessary expenses that we can cut down on. Sometimes Another way of saving money or making sure that we're fitting within our budget is using less electricity and making sure that we, uh, we can take a faster shower, not leave the geezer on for so long uh, in the wintertime, or maybe even shutting off the air conditioner before, uh, before it, you know, we exhaust our finances in our energy expenses. These are all different ways that we can change the way that we work through our uh, budget, eating all of the groceries that we buy, not just purchasing food to make sure that our pantry and our refrigerator and our freezer are full, and then throwing half of that food away because we didn't use it anymore, but instead purchasing the food that we're going to eat without needing to throw it away because we have all of this. Looking for bargains, there's nothing wrong with looking for bargains. Maybe you've fallen short a couple of months in your budget and you have a pet. Now I'm gonna make a lot of people upset with this one, but perhaps that pet is causing you an over excess of your budget because of the food that it requires, because of the medical problems that your pet has these are things that can cause us to go into debt unnecessarily, and we need to consider other ways of working through our budgets. The important thing is that what we do is we live within our means and we subscribe our lives to a budget. We put 10% aside for tithing. This is the most important and biblical foundation. I've talked about savings and the importance of that because then that way we are providing for our families and for our future and for those emergencies. And then I've talked about the extra five or 10% so that that way we can help give others or gift to others. Now we're going to talk, and then we've talked about the 70% that we're living off of, that we are to budget in order to make sure that we are providing for our families. Now let's look at a couple of passages of scripture 
and ask ourselves some questions when it comes to these passages of Scripture. The first few are from the Old Testament, and the last few passages of Scripture are from the New Testament. First passage of Scripture we have is found in Leviticus chapter 27, and it's verse 26 and verse 30. Only the firstling of the beasts, which should be the Lord's firstling, no man shall sanctify it, whether it be ox or sheep, it is the Lord's. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. Wonderful. So when we tithe, whom are we tithing to? The Lord. Wonderful. Our next passage of scripture is found in Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 12. I like that cry. For I, the Lord, do not change, therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, How shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, How have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are accursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you, and pour down for you a blessing until there is no need, I will rebuke the devourer for you that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. How often has God changed? Never. How often does God change? Never. Who changes? We do. So what has God been robbed of? Our money. Our time with him? Where does the tithe get taken to? The storehouse. The storehouse. Where is the storehouse today? The church box. The church box. Tithing plate. Yeah, an offering plate. Offering oh, plate. some have a bag. Some, some have, have a bucket. Bag or <laughs> a bucket. velvet bag. Mm. I always think the velvet bag is cool. <laughs> so when we give the tithe in the storehouse, which is in the church, and it goes into a church box or offering plate or velvety bag or bucket, And we are giving our money unto the Lord, and it is going through the church in which we attend. So, these days, the past 50 years or so, we've had televangelists. We've had, now, YouTube churches and online churches. We've gone through pandemic, and we've gone through... Uh, moments where we've been locked down and have had to stay in our home and we aren't able to gather as persons in a church building but you know the church is the people not the building 
So then when we give our tithe, whom do we give our tithe to in these scenarios? Do we give, banking. Do we give to Online the televangelists banking. and say that the televangelist is my church? Is that giving unto the Lord? Do we <coughs> give to a local body within our community so that that way the money is in the storehouse of our community? Because the whole reason that the church takes tithe and offering is to do the work of the Lord, and the work of the Lord is to care for orphans and widows and the poor. And so therefore, I want to encourage us to make sure that we find a local body in order to give our tithes in. We give our tithes to the local church. The televangelist on TV, as Xavier was mentioning earlier, when we do our research, what we normally find out is that they have this thing called administrative costs. And sometimes those administrative costs can go upwards of 60 to 70% of what you've given. In other words, the televangelist is making money off of you and that money is not going to the orphan, the widow, and the poor. So that's the importance of making sure that we are supporting our local church, our local pastors, and our local body of believers by giving our tithes in the storehouse, which is in the local assembly, the local church. So what is the promise of anyone, according to Malachi chapter 3, what is the promise of those who tithe? God will send down the right... Well, actually, basically what it says is God will provide for us. Yes, to sum it all up. Because in this time, isn't it a, during a drought whenever Malachi is preaching? Yes. See, so yeah. So whenever Mal, what Malachi is saying is oh, give of your yeah. first fruits to the storehouse and all of your tithes and test God to see what he will do because he will send down the rain to provide for more crops and everything that you have, then you can still give in abundance and live off of more. Exactly. Second Corinthians <laughs> chapter 9, verses 6 through 11. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Yay! <laughs> ha, 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 ha. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. What attitude does an unselfish giver have? Cheerfulness. What are two reasons why God blesses us with his abundance according to this passage of scripture? God blesses us with his abundance is so we can bless the poor and so that, that way with our liberality of which we give to others, we are able to provide thanksgiving unto God. First yeah. Corinthians chapter one, 9 verses 13 and 14, which is followed then by Galatians chapter 6 verse 6. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? 
In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. Galatians 6, 6. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. How do pastors, ministers, and teachers of God's word receive their support? By communication. Through the church. <laughs> Through the church building. All good things. <laughs> so when we give our tithe to the local assembly, to the local church, the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, the apostles, the prophets, they receive their living from the tithe which the business world, the farmers, store merchants provide. And if we don't provide our tithe into the storehouse or into the church, then the pastors and the teachers and the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists don't get supported in a way that they can then provide us with the nourishment that comes from God's holy word. That is the importance of tithing. That is the importance of making sure that we set money aside so that that way the kingdom of God can be furthered and we can continue to support the widows, and the orphans, and the poor through this work. It's not always about social justice. It's not always about seeing some special interest group get more acknowledgement and, and more money pushed their way because of this good deed that they are doing. A lot of the ways that those are provided for and the way that God designed for these poor and unfortunate, underprivileged inter interest groups. What? Poor unfortunate souls. The poor and unfortunate interest groups that have been pointed out to us throughout social media, throughout the news, throughout people that just come along and speak to us because they have an NGO or a not-for-profit. Those are provided through the local church in order to help give them life. And so our tithe goes first into the storehouse, which is the church. Thank you, Jesus, for day and every single day, and that everyone will not be sick anymore because I am, and everything else I ever got to pray for. Amen. <laughs> Five alive out.